Me and Mac Hansen actually went for a pint after the podcast the last day. We got buried a beef. I was like, hold on, are we actually beefing here? Do we need to go for a pint or something? We chatted out. Joe presents House of Rugby, United Rugby Championship, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Hello and welcome back to House of Rugby. We are here. We have reached the final stages of the United Rugby Championship. And who would have thought it? Two South African teams in the final. Craig, welcome back. Jason, welcome back to you as well. How are you? How was your weekend? Good, good. Strange watching two South African teams. I know our South African fans might think otherwise, but I don't think any of us expected to see the first season of the of the championship to see both of them in the final. No way. Yeah. Well, what did you think so, Lindsay, that the South African teams would be there in the final? No, I think we definitely pitched maybe like one of them, the Stormers, tipped at the start, which you tipped a couple of weeks ago. I tipped you weeks back, guys. I said it. I always said if there was any team that was going to beat Leinster, that they didn't have to beat them in the end. The Bulls did, did that job for them. But How long ago were, did you call that? Ah, a good few weeks back. A good few weeks back. I've been saying it for weeks. They're, 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 they've, they've looked like the stronger team, sure. What have they got now? 15 games unbeaten. So it wasn't much of a call. Like I was just basing it on the fact I that they played so well in winning matches. Yeah, I think they only <laughs> lost, what, four games and their last game was back in February against Connacht, which was one of the only Irish teams to go down to South Africa and, and win on the road. So, yeah, they've had a... Actually, the two most consistent teams in the second half of the season, if I, I'm up for correction, have made the final. Now, if you had to said that at the start of the season, obviously my money was on um, Leinster, but I also hoped for a fifth star and it just crumbled. So yeah, yeah. my money was on Leinster up till 10 days ago still. Like, <laughs> obviously, Stormers and Bulls are most consistent, but Leinster obviously as well. But um, yeah, we kind of spoke about that last week. But I was actually over... I was over at Royal Ascot and I was over at the Premiership Rugby Final and mm. a couple of times people were like, oh, did you watch the South African Final? And I kept going, South African Final? What? There's no South African League. <laughs> but I obviously meant the two South African teams in the final. But um, it was a good match in fairness. They played pretty well. Like the, There was a lot of running rugby, a lot of um, good tries. Evan Roos was unreal again. He's an absolute powerhouse. I can't lie though. I was like out of breath. Like it was just, especially the first 20 minutes was nuts it was frantic they were yeah. killing each other they were hitting they were losing their footing they were it was turnovers <coughs> there was handling errors that's the thing about the South African lads is they're so physical like yeah. even in the first couple of minutes like when um, they were going over for the try they're, the Bulls number 12 scored a try and Sonatla hit him so hard mm. at the line he just twisted out and scored like they're just the power down there like I think that's why they got to the to the final those guys yeah. it's just the South African lads are unbelievable I'd say Razzy Erasmus is licking his lips now getting ready for 2023 like. well that's what I liked was un- it, it, they're actually so unpredictable like so Grobler was going through off that um, it was off a line out if I'm not mistaken so they were just going through and I thought you know like South African rugby yeah the physicality he's just going to go through them and then all of a sudden like he just like deaf soft little offload you know and it was lovely and I was like okay for that for this season they have been so unpredictable they've even lived on the edge with their uh, like their discipline has been mm. terrible but then all of a sudden they'll do just something amazing and I think the final just epitomised exactly what they brought to the competition yeah. and considering obviously the when they first came into the competition the Chiefs, the Kings were so poor mm. I think we probably I certainly still have that kind of don't have the same expectation I suppose mm. I know they've been great um, but yeah to get to the final yeah surprising mm. but it, it lived up it did. Uh, just before we delve into the actual game itself and look at the score and break it down obviously we'll address the elephant in the room yes. so um, Rob Balakum was supposed to be on with us this week but unfortunately Rob is a little under the weather and couldn't make it so get well soon Rob um, moving on to the game itself 18-13 was the final score I think we said it a lot of us said it in the, in the build up to the game it was always going to be tough for the Bulls to get themselves back up again after, after that huge win against Leinster 
which no one expected, even though South Africans will disagree with us. And someone told me uh, in the pub yesterday, he had a bet down a fiver. He got um, the Bulls at 14 to 1 in a semi-final. No <laughs> right? That shows you what the odds were. But, uh, you know, they took the lead against the Stormers um, in the final at the weekend. And I think they just kind of ran out of steam, I suppose, so to speak. Like, it's, it's, it's tough to get yourself up to so many games. As no one really expected the Bulls at the start of the season to be in that final. No, they didn't. But the Stormers had beaten the Bulls twice already in the URC. Narrowly, I think it was 1917 and it was 30 points to 26. And then they lost narrowly again. Like I said, the Bulls are snapping. They just have that, obviously, that mental battle against Stormers. They've lost uh, three times now this season. But it was a great game. Like, they put it up to them all the way to the last minute. And... Um, they had to come down, uh, Stormers had to come down and score a, a try and a drop goal to put them ahead at the end. And still there was a couple more chances with um, Aaron Desse from Bulls nearly got away with a try there at the end as well. So I thought it was a really good showing for poor conditions as well. It was wet underfoot yeah. down there. Um, so like props to the South African teams, mm. like they, they well deserved it. Stormers are missing Zastin as well. You know, Zastin was the top scorer in the championship this year like, and still managed to get away. Yeah. But obviously Ruse. I think Ruse is it the player's player, the rider's player, and URC. He won all three awards this year that you could win. Like, I mean, that guy has been a phenomenal revelation this year. And he's in the Springbok squad now as well, isn't he? Yeah, there's been obviously, I think, 13 players between both squads have been mm. called into the summer test series against Wales. So that's testament to how well the, the teams have done. But to be honest, if I think Bulls have been kicking themselves. I thought certainly the first half they had the, the upper hand against the Stormers. But I think... Um, Oh, they'd just be kicking themselves with, you know, they'd get breaks and then they'd leave themselves isolated. And then it was just, you know, it was a battle of the breakdowns with so many turnovers, a breakdown for both teams. So There's a lot of handling um, errors, yeah. A lot of mm-hmm. handling errors. The underfooting you said, I think I seen the scrum and it was, you never want to see this kind of wave in the scrum, but I was like, I'd say it's actually, it's so hard when the, when your underfoot is so soft to mm. actually get a grip and get some, you know, what your stability in your power in the scrum. So um, I thought it was a cracking game, but if I'm honest, I think Bulls could have, yeah. Gone in at halftime a little bit further up. Yeah, um, they conceded seven penalties in the first half. Uh, so, like, I mean, you look, if you, you rack up seven penalties in the first half in any game, like, you're doing yourself no favours. Yeah, you, you, know you want to keep I mean? that. Yeah, that's your quota for the whole game. Yeah, oh, you can't be seven 100%. 100%. 100%. Um, normally, before we move on, like, we'd, we'd look at um, a try of the week and a jukebox of the week. Like, because there's only one game, we're just going to do one try and one jukebox. But because of the way it happened, we're actually giving the try and the jukebox to the same movement from, from Ruse. So Ruse scoring that try and how many players did he bash through to score that? He must have bashed through I think five. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so many and I thought he was stopped and then he just kept powering over and then this big just giant right arm just put it down. I was like, you would actually know right to even move your arm let alone score the try like he was <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, was phenomenal. The guy came in behind him kind of like, uh, not truck and trailer, but gave him that, that extra around, shunt yeah. that kind of pushed him on and getting in the reach out. It was just incredible finish. Like He deserves all the accolades and the titles I think for this year. I think there was one big hit in him um, and the commentator was like, that's what, you know, how, what were the Bulls going to do? And basically they had three men to stop him. Like, and now three simultaneously just for the one tackle, just to put him down. And <laughs> he didn't, like, he just, he didn't even lose gain line nor break it. It was just like, he stood still where he was. Yeah. It was just like... Do you know what was great to see from the final was that, I know they only had 50% capacity because in COVID still pretty bad down in South Africa, but they sold it out to 50% capacity yeah. and they probably would have double sold it if they could, like, yeah. um, which was really good to see. And the viewership on this podcast has been really good from South Africa as well. So it's great to have South African fans 
listening, watching, supporting their guys. Like it's unreal. I think it's going to be great for the European Championship as well next year. Now, yeah, they were they were saying that. I can't remember. Was, was I listening to the punishment at the weekend on Premier Sports or was somewhere else on the weekend? But like you have to remember that all East African fans for the last few years have been playing against New Zealand teams and Australian teams, mm. having to get up at six or seven o'clock in the morning to watch <laughs> their teams. Now they can sit down and relax on a Saturday at half six and watch their teams play. Yep. Or whatever, so it's an hour of the difference, I guess, or, or it could be a half five or a half six or a half seven kickoff. Think of the difference. Like, I mean, if you had to get up and watch Munster, I find it tough sometimes to watch Munster at half seven at night. You mind <laughs> half seven in the morning. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that brings it, it just it brings it back into their time zone. They can go out, they can enjoy themselves, they can follow their teams and even go into the matches and stuff as well. And that's and the thing with the South Africa. I was lucky enough to play in the Cape Town Sevens and it's my favourite leg by far out of all ten because of the culture. We got straight off the bus when we arrived in Cape Town. You're singing, dancing, mm. cheering, everyone's happy. And you're there's obviously in sevens, there's like tens and tens of games right and every single time there's a try they all score they're delighted for everyone just scoring a try like yeah lovely people down there so i think it's really good for rugby now south africa have kind of got obviously their international teams class yeah. their club teams are really good now as well and i wouldn't like be like to be wales going down there this summer like no big time you can yeah. actually feel the balls nearly through the telly do you know and, yeah. uh two teams i think the last time they met in a final was 2010 and that the Bulls actually won that. You know, it was obviously super rugby for them and their league, whatever. But um, you could see the Bulls and obviously like no more than our provinces that they were just up for it. And yeah, there was that bit of camaraderie, but there was like tit for tat and dig for dig and it, they were just buzzing off and you could feel the energy. So I would have loved to have seen a full capacity stadium. But like when we played the Barbarians and we played South African Women's Team, like you said, like we were up there, we we're having dinner at the aftermatch and they just started singing and the whole room stopped. <laughs> we're like... It was like Brilliant. goosebumps, the energy. And then we all got up and like, didn't know the songs, but we just, we could, you know, clap along to the beat. And they're just a nation that just loves their rugby and yeah. you can just feed it off them. They're, they're so, they're so passionate, rugby. so passionate. But I think it sometimes gets the better of them because in that game, Cornel Hendricks had a high, head high tackle on Ro uh, yeah. Pinel, was it? Yeah, Do you know what, man? I just think this day and age, I, Anything above the neck, it just has to be red straight away because it's so dangerous. Mm. Like we'll talk about concussion further on in this podcast. Yeah. Like and the two yellow cards in the Premiership. The two yellow cards Sigmar's. in the Premiership, which yeah. should have probably been red. Yeah, yeah. And I would kind of used to have the opinion of ah, oh, tough love, get up, man. This day and age, like, you got to be watching your neck, your head, your brain. Um, I think it should have been red. Anything above here needs to be red from now on, in my yeah. opinion. What do you think? I think we need consistency now with this because some weeks it's like we're arguing whether it was a yellow or red. I think just to. And to just save players and referees, just making a decision that it's just across That's the board. Right, like right. we're always trying to look for mitigating factors, but each player is different how they're going to react. And you know, you can't. How are you going to gauge the force just because it's hitting somewhere? Do you know what I mean? So mm. I think if we just level it across the board, then you're above the head. Yeah, exactly. We've and seen too many players retire over the last few years, like at 27, 28, 29, yeah. because of concussion. There's so many lawsuits going on at the moment, like behind closed doors of players who can't remember playing in mm. finals yeah. and matches, and all. it's actually it's really really sad, and it's only going to get worse from here. Of course. And obviously, a, a counter argument to this is I was actually at the Premiership final, as I said, and saw the high tackle and we're like, oh no, it's going to be red now, game's going to be over, is what most people's opinions were. But then it's like, okay, the game might go in the favour of the team that didn't get the red card. But I think these people's health, like, do you know what I mean? And obviously, initially, it's going to, everyone's going to be giving out all red cards, game's ruined, but eventually you will teach players to start hitting low again. Do you yeah. know what I mean? All get exactly. below the nipples, hit anywhere below there and teach players to be better and young kids coming up will just be better tacklers, be a safer game. Yeah. Well, it's a professional game. So yeah. like, if you're in any line of work that you need training, like you, you train all the time and you know how much time we spend on tackle tech. So, I mean, yeah. there's no excuse really for, especially in the elite professional game. Yeah, I've um, actually seen kids now that are 
starting to get this, this roll out this new equipment like in their their tackle pads that wants their legs with targets on them yeah right so that like they're they see the three targets but it's all below the waist so it's teaching the kids to try and get 100 points to get in and tackle right at on the on the button on the on the on money like yeah that's that's yeah. what you need well the big impact in the in win win side is that our tackle tech is so poor because we're not obviously starting it from a young age mm. so i think if we can start women younger at younger age and the same thing that you know you're tackling below the knees because a lot of our concussion is whiplash so it's all high tackles and you're kind of being oh, yeah. shoved back so i think all in all whether we're talking about male or female i think just to grassroots and just get in then there's no you know no one's worrying about anything even the players themselves like there's no there's no fear you just it's muscle memory and you just you know, it's second nature to It becomes automatic. Then. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Looking, looking back at the game, I mean, like, the only loss, I know we're saying that the Stormers were good, like, but it was only a five-point game in the end, like, and he had that, that break from Kurt Lee. There's a guy we've been watching. He actually, I think he got called into the South Africans one, did he? Kurt Lee Renza. He's the guy that's been stepping. Yeah. He's 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 basically like another another version of Cheslin Kobe, like just you know on his the way up. Like, his footwork is outrageous. Like he made it, they just couldn't get it through the hands in the yeah. end. But yeah, I played against him on the seventh tour. Did you? Oh my god, it's like chasing shadows trying to catch him. Like one v one, there's no hope you tackle him. Like he just transports when he ta- when he steps. Yeah. Like and even you can see it on the 15 side game. He's unbelievable. He deserves to be where he needs to be. Um, but the South African lads, same with Sanatla, man. Honestly, 1v1, good luck. Like, there's no tackling these guys. How are they producing these players? Because there's so many of them. Oh, like, and it's not, 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 not only are they like unbelievable tacklers and they've got speed, but I've never seen players being able to step as good as some of the South African wingers. Thank God. I don't understand it. Like, oh, it's ridiculous. just the yeah. footwork is outrageous. Yeah. So yeah. we just bring some over here Get and start over teaching here. some of our yeah, players. We so. find the one Jordan Larmer yeah. here and again, you know, just footwork to be able to change, you know. Yeah, Jordan Larmer's the only player we have like that, like, yeah. that can step like that. Whereas they've got countless amount of players. Yeah. yeah. And they all seem to come through the blitz block of the sevens team. Like, they're all just jumping, like, Cecil Africa, all those guys. So that obviously came, came through there. They're, they were supposed to be doing it from a young age, developing them up to be like that. Like, which is just all their wingers are unbelievable. Tamway for the Bulls as well. Yeah. Had an unreal game. He was he and he did actually a lot of the dirty work time when he did. He was cleaning up at the mm. back, he's doing a lot of kicking, doing a lot of rock, and I was impressed with him. He and hit he, an unbelievable tackle, did he not midfield? You got uh, a just, great sorry, tackle. just inside twenty two when he got up and got turned over. And turned it over, yeah. like yeah. So I think uh, Razzi really likes him. Like he'll be playing in the in the Springbok team as well, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um so it was a great game all around. They deserved to be there. And it was a lovely finish, wasn't it, with the kids? Oh, the gosh. ceremony with the kids, I was just about to say it with the kids giving them the local yeah. kids giving the medals out to the players and stuff. I could, I love that kind of stuff, like, you know. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff we like. It was really, so really good. So it was a great idea because sometimes you see the players coming on getting their medals and they just kind of stroll through, handshake with whoever and go cheering. But this time you see the players engaging with the kids. They're, they're really quite like happy the kids are here as well. The moment. I think yeah. that kid, oh my God, oh my God, and give a medal to whoever. Like, so really inspiring those kids. I think they got the idea from the AFL. AFL have been doing it in their grand final or ARL, one or the other. Yeah. Um, for the last couple of years, they've been doing it there. So it's a lovely idea. It's something that we should look at across other finals rather than having some, no offence, having some bloody chairman or president just go, here's your medal. Exactly. And the yeah. player doesn't even look at him and just gives me one of those yeah. kind of handshakes. And yeah. there's politics involved game. with that. Do you know, whereas kids and grassroots yeah. and exactly what our pillar, what, what the game like stands for, 100%. you know, the game of rugby, and, you know, it sends out a huge message. And I thought, I thought it was lovely. I thought yeah. it was a lovely finish. And lovely I thought the, the difference in the players, like getting on their knees, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, I Engaging think they forgot. The exactly. They just forgot who they were. They're just like, oh, this, this kid is, you know, you've made their day. You yeah. know, it's a big final for you and you're winning, you're getting a medal, but this kid will remember this for the rest of their lives. Like, I think it's, it's even more, it kind of like, it stands out more, the fact that it's two South African teams in South Africa, because yeah. I know you've watched it, the Chase and the Sun documentary, so do you, like, a lot of those South African players, a lot of those Stormers players, those Springbok players, mm-hmm. they came from nothing and rugby is what brought them out and brought and gave them a life. You know what I mean? Like, and it, yeah. it, to them, like, to, 
do you know, that could have been the next year Khaleesi, like that one of those kids could be the next cousin Kobe. And he's like, remember that time I shook this guy's hand in the exactly. URC final? Yeah. And that could be the inspiration for them to go on and be Blitzbacher or Springboks or pro players with the Stormers or whatever it is, you know? Humble beginnings to greatness. And that's, that's the legacy they That's what it's all about. What does this mean going forward for the South African teams? I mean, if you look at us, like they're after getting two teams in the final, they absolutely blitzed us in the second half of the season. They came into this tournament off the back of a line store, missing a lot of their players. They were ravaged by COVID more than any of the other teams in the other countries in the URC. So the first half of the season, they were playing basically with one arm and one leg, essentially. <laughs> you know what I mean? And next season, they're coming straight in, fresh, all their players. Hopefully, they'll be able to take off that capacity um, thing going on with the stadium so they'll be able to get full capacity yeah. in. So they're actually probably going to come in for a better side foot. Now, you are adding in European rugby in there, which is going to take a lot out of them. But I think they're probably going to be even tougher to beat next year. <laughs> See, I'm wondering, like, so we kind of have this, I think we would have brought it up in shows, obviously, like, say, Leinster trying to juggle their internationals, European Cup, and they've done it really well. Um, and I know I got a tweet during the week, you know, saying about um, Leinster were, were, were tired. I wasn't saying physically tired because it was good rotation, but mentally tired to get up for a long season. Like, so we're talking about September all the way through to now and all the games we would have had and mentally to get up for that. But I think for the, yeah, for the South Africans, I think they're going to come in and really stir the pot, which I'm excited to see. They're going to ruffle a lot of feathers in European competition. But what will that mean for how well they did in the URC? How are they going to balance? Whereas they're, you know, it's a big pool of players now to try and accommodate their series, obviously, we have a World Cup coming up in, in 2023. So how will Razzie manage all of his players then? Do you know, So it's an extra dynamic, which I'm interested to see how they do. But I do think they're going to come in in buoyant mood now, as I said, to, to put another trophy um, in the Southern Hemisphere on South African mm. soil. So I think they're going to ruffle feathers. I think they're going to be successful. But I'd be interested at the cost of a different trophy. Yeah, yeah. I think they're going to do. I think they'll do really well in the Champions Cup. They're going to spice it up a little bit. Lots yeah. of team against the English, our uh, English okay, teams so. and the French teams going down there, just kind of bullying them a little bit. But I also think there's an element of the South African teams not being respected this season because oh they're new in like fresh into the tournament and yeah. probably uh, like Mac Hansen like not getting respected by yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's like a broken down record like. <laughs> me and Mac Hansen actually went for a point after the podcast the last day uh, excuse oh, me yeah. we're gonna bury the beef I was like hold on are we actually beefing here do we need to go for a point or something we chatted out he's a good lad we're now mates we exchange numbers um, so best of luck to Mac down in New Zealand we'll probably grab another point when he comes back and you're more than welcome to join then well thanks very much for uh, letting yeah. us break into your bromance what? we're privileged bromance <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for me and Jason you wouldn't have you know you wouldn't have if it wasn't for you Jason and the whole backroom team you're stirring the pot like trying to make we it a problem between me and Mac you. we get your followers we get your bromances <laughs> we have fire extinguishers when you get born on the, the show fear we got your back I won't be taking a side of the fence anymore in this podcast anyway <laughs> um, Anyway, back to my point about the South Africans. I think the, the other teams in the URC didn't have as much respect for them and preparation for them mentally as yeah. they should have because probably a bit of a residue from the Cheetahs and the Lions and, and Southern Kings, like, ah, South African teams aren't able for the URC. And then they caught them on the hop when they were prepared at the second end of the season, going down to South Africa, um, like in the climate, in the conditions. And, and the other thing is what Razzie's done really well is he's brought all the best players back to playing club rugby in South Africa. Mm. So they're just together all the time. He's really good culture built in South African rugby in general. So, but I think that now for next season, the URC, the rest of the teams would be momentum prepared. Like 
big month down in South Africa now, guys. You ready yeah. to go for this? Whereas last this season it was kind of like, ah, oh, send down the academy, lads. Like, it'd be fine. Do you know what I mean? So it'll probably be a different mm. mindset going down yeah. next year, hopefully. Yeah, it does. It does. Like, even by you saying like it wasn't a great to see thirty-one thousand at the match. I mean, I pointed it out like, and I was I was rightly told otherwise by South African fans. I pointed out like, oh, if we get get to the European match next year or even the final, there'll be no fans because I remember looking at those bloody Cheetahs matches and mm. those uh, Kings matches. And it was it was a joke because there was like five hundred fans in the stadiums. Yeah, they just for some reason the cheetahs and the kings. I think there was something political going on with the with the kings, and then the cheetahs just didn't have much of a following or whatever it was. But there was no one, and I was expecting yeah. the same thing to happen again. But like the South Africans have proved me wrong. Like which, and it's going to get better because the, yeah. the restrictions are going to be lifted. Like, but yeah. they are there and they're out to support these. As I said, these are four big heavyweight, heavy hitting like franchises that like the Lions have got the three Super Rugby finals. The Stormers have won it. I think the Bulls have won it. Yeah. They've all won it, like at some stage. Like they've beaten New Zealand teams, they've been up there. But at the same time, no one expected them to be good in year one. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but this is the thing, right? We didn't expect South Africa to win the last World Cup because they came in and they were playing pro rugby leading up to that. And yeah. I think they like that. I think they like coming in under the radar. They know how popular rugby is there and they're a proud nation. So we kind of, we get into that false sense of yeah. security, like, you know, no expectation from them. And then it's just like, bam. But I think there's no hiding for any on a South African team anymore. Not now, now they're seen as the best, probably arguably one of the best rugby teams in yeah. the world at the moment because obviously Crusaders are class, New Zealand are class, but yeah, South yeah. African across the board they're all good now yeah. and I think it's, co it's coming down to their conditioning as I said at the start of the podcast. They're all so big, so powerful, so fit. The SNC teams down there must just be unbelievable top level guys like. Um, mm. So the the rest of your sea are going to have their, have their, their wits about up. them next year. Yeah. It's only going to benefit the, 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 the home nations and stuff like because now you're getting a chance to play against these Springbok players regularly and these, you said, these big conditioning players and it's only going to help you when you get to your autumn internationals and get to your World Cups. Because, yeah. I mean, how often do Ireland get to play South African players normally before this? How often would, would an Irish team take on any Springboks? Whenever yeah. every couple of years we might schedule in all international and then all of a sudden you made them in the World Cup and <laughs> you get blown out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're playing them regularly, like, and it's only going to make our players better. Exactly. Just sent home do. with some cell tape to piece yourself back together, <laughs> and that'll be the one good thing I think about the semi-final loss. Not only for Leinster is to you know, like how are they going to like create Plan B against the more physical teams, but exactly. even for Ireland, you know, because as a nation we're never going to be unless we get some chemical to help us grow. I mean, we're never going to be a big nation. To, you know, there's, it's just in their DNA. We're not going to be able to compete with them physically, like you have no. To and that's why we way. need to have our own game plan against Southern Hemispheres, and I don't think we're going to get it unless we're actually playing them. So I think. Yeah. Yeah, hugely positive. Yeah. Cool. Would be. I could see one of them coming in and winning the Champions Cup at this rate next year. Like, Well, I can't wait for the French and England that you've said they're going to be fighting. I just send them down games. to Toulouse or Toulon down to play Stormers or something. Oh, yeah. what a battle. Like, Skin and hair fly. casualties on that one. Yeah. <laughs> you should bring the pod down there. Uh, yeah, great yeah. stuff, great stuff. Now, before we move on to the news, guys, as predicted, Connacht's Keen Prendergast is heading to New Zealand this summer and we had a chance to catch up with him recently to speak about his journey and uh, his life with Connacht. I played a small bit of minis when I was like 10, but I didn't really have much interest in it. Like, I don't think I was fond of standing around in the cold. Like I think I wanted to play soccer. I think when I was younger, I wanted to play for Manchester United in soccer. So that was yeah. the thing. Like, so I was like, I want to play soccer and get, I played Gaelic football and I did athletics and all that. So kind of tried my hand at everything, but didn't really fully start playing rugby. I knew how to play rugby. I'd played with my dad. I'd played in the back garden. I'd played with my friends on the green and stuff. So um, I fully committed to it when went to Newbridge. Wasn't that good now until I was about like 15 and I hit a bit of a growth spurt. I, I fancied myself as a bit of a an out half. I thought I was going to be the next Johnny Sexton. Like, but <laughs> no, no, I was. Uh, and then they were like, why don't you try second row or back row? Because I think I went from like 
five ten to six foot four in a summer or something and they were like you should probably try um back row or second row i was like you know what i will yeah and that was it i got a phone call off noel mac during lockdown in like about april i think lockdown or may and it was like listen we don't have a place for you and look the world came crashing down around me at that time i didn't know what i was going to do and then about 24 36 hours later i get a phone call from eric and he was like uh, we'd like to offer you a place in the connect academy and look i'll be forever grateful for that because it was a second chance for me and then um look like you have conversations with lads and you're chatting to lads and they're saying they got an offer in leinster and at the time you're very jealous but look I wouldn't change my path for anything really because everyone was really nice introducing themselves like like Peter people like Peter Manny and Josh Van der Fleer coming up to me and like offering help and telling me like if I need this come to me like I'll sit down with you and have a look at this if you want and stuff like that which was which was awesome like kind of like they nearly sit down with me for like an hour and a half on the computer and just look at things with me which was which was phenomenal for me as an individual and then like Andy and Paul and Simon and uh, caddy are all like they were phenomenal like in terms of like just trying to help you but obviously they demand a standard as well so they're saying this is what you have like this is what we expect of you and they give you like a small bit of leeway to start but then once you're in like it's you have to you understand it straight away like definitely it would be a dream come true like i think any player in ireland i think if you ask them you get to go on a tour to new zealand for however long four or three weeks they'd bite your hand off like it's it would be an incredible experience like it's it's um it would be awesome but like look if it happens it happens and i like to think i've done done well this season and i've made great progress as a player so look like i'm at peace with whatever happens because to be honest the season has been great for me so far and i've learned a lot so great stuff just seems like a top lad doesn't he in general you know what i mean it's just a nice guy he's been through a lot didn't give up on his career and yes you are going to new zealand <laughs> shot a few weeks ago so i'd say he's over the moon i'm delighted for him i genuinely you know if you're listening keen fair play to you i think you've been standout for connacht i think you've been a standout player we've spoken for weeks haven't we greg about rewarding players and i think certainly for me he's been one that needs to be rewarded and i hope he takes this opportunity yeah he's literally that saying of be so good you can't be ignored. Yeah. He was just constantly. How many man of matches did he get? Like playing out in the sports ground, so consistent. He's really young as well, which I'd love to see Andy Farrell just going. Yeah, bring him in. He's done the yeah. job. I hope he gets a good few minutes down there now. That's the next thing for him to get in. I'm not going to make a call. The fact, no, the fact that we have the Maori games, like he's going, yeah. like he's he's guaranteed to at least start the two of those. So like that's oh the Maori yeah. games definitely the mid weekends. Uh, he does. Without a doubt, he'll yeah. at least start him, which I think is. I think that's so good that we have those games. A good old fashioned tour. We said yeah. it multiple times because. If it was just three tests against the All Blacks, he might not have got the minutes. He exactly. might not have been brought in the first place. Yeah, and that's my first time actually seeing him have a proper interview where he's kind of candid. He seems like a really nice guy. Like I've only ever seen him aggressive on the pitch or some at the RPI Awards collecting an award. Like, yeah. Seems like a really genuine guy down to earth. He's like, yeah. Yeah, I'm at peace. I just had a good season, which is which is nice. He's not cocky, like a nice humble guy. So based off that, I think he's going to go really far. Well, I think the fact that he said about second chances, he was in for the Six Nations camp as a development player, so he would have picked up an awful lot. I think, you know, when you go into Ireland camp, it, there's nowhere to hide. Yeah. Um, you have big personalities, as you know, that call you out and, and that's what you need and it's make or break. So it seems like he he's taken that opportunity, a bit like Tyg Byrne, who would have had a second opportunity when he was let out from Leinster and just maybe changes your attitude. Not that he had one before, but to look at the glass half full. Yeah, yeah half it's, empty, it's mad know. to think the academy system that guys we could have lost along the way like you could have lost him if Eric didn't pick up the phone and call him and mm. the likes of another one example in Connacht is Connor Fitzgerald 
he got dropped by Munster and was yeah. going off about going to like do his college degree and he got a call off Connacht to come up and have a trial and now he's a senior player in Connacht. Class. Yeah, class. Like, imagine how many lads have slipped through the, the ropes like oh, that. But then you suppose you look at the RFU and we only have four professional teams like mm. and that's then what, four academies with like what, 10 to 20 guys in it. And there's how many unbelievable private schools and public yeah. schools playing rugby. There's guys slipping through the, through the, the, uh, the net like that. Yeah. But, so that's the nature of it really, isn't it? That's it, that's it. Uh, looking at the Irish squad itself, I suppose, when we look at the names that kind of popped out, well, first of all, our boy Mac is in, as we predicted. Of course, he's going to be there. Mac. Congrats, Mac. <laughs> um, looking at the guys, okay, like there's obviously the usual names are in there that we expected, but Jordan Larmer getting called back in, that's good to see. Obviously, yes. he's been in incredible form recently. Jimmy O'Brien is in there, another good one to see. Kieran Frawley's in there, it's a good, good, good person to see. I'm delighted to see him. Yeah, Harry Byrne, another one again. So he, like, he, they really seem like what do you think about set Harry's on the fact up? that they really want to get Harry in there, like over Ross or anyone else. So I don't know. I still personally haven't seen enough of him yet. I don't. I haven't seen enough of him for everyone. Obviously, they see more of him in training and stuff. Mm. But I haven't seen enough of him for matches where this guy is going to be the savior or is going to be the guy that can step up and replace Johnny Sexton or be uh, a deputy or overtake Carberry at the moment. So. Be interesting to see if he gets a start, and surely he'll get a start in one of those Maori games. He's only thirty-four caps for Leinster, which I find strange considering like there's so many games. I think he's very injury prone. Um, and I heard a commentator last night about it saying, you know, very uh, must be awkward at their dinner table where your brothers stand there not after going. So my heart, I, I saw my oh, heart yeah. went out to Ross. I, was, I played with Ross coming up, and I was friendly enough to him. I was like, oh, imagine that. He's obviously delighted for his younger brother. Of course, but, but still, yeah, it's mixed emotions, though, isn't it? Mixed you know, emotions. Like, we had Ross on the pod a few weeks ago, and he's like, he knows how good he is. He just wants that chance again, and he's like, yeah. I want to be in the Irish shirt. So say that's not a, a easy pill for him to swallow. Who knows? He could still get called out. No, big time. And they I must know. see something in Harry though. It's yeah. kind of like because he hasn't pulled up any trees really, like over yeah. since he's come in. Like, and we keep saying, "Oh, this guy's class. He's brilliant." Like, but maybe what has he done? To, uh, I, I was trying to think. To it, I was like, "Why? Why does Andy Farrell and Mike Hatton sit down and going, how why are they picking Harry over Ross?" Yeah. And I think it's because Harry plays a bit of twelve as well. I know Ross could play twelve, but Harry. 12 has been playing 12 with Harry, whereas Ross is at 10 this year. Mm. So maybe it's like, oh, bring him down. He can cover a centre position for us that's if we need. Point. I think yeah. that's what's pushed him to get down there instead of Ross. That's then they brought Frawley. They have... Um, Frawley can play 10 as well. Yeah. And centre. Yeah. So it was kind of strange. I don't know. I think there's... From what I've heard from Harry and Train, he's just a lot more confident than that bit more like rootless 10 like he's a bit more like the johnny directing now again take that with a pinch of salt to you know it's yeah. it's it's hearsay but uh i definitely i think it was the glasgow game in the quarterfinal did he come on and i just felt he was he did dictate it he did a lovely show and mm. go we, we made a break he was giving balls on the gain line which is very johnny-esque as well which which you needed that type of game so maybe like you said we haven't seen enough of him because he's only had the short amount of experience it's hard when you've seen Ross being so consistent. Um, but maybe there's just a different edge to him as a 10 that you need kind of just that more dominant character maybe, to kind yeah. of dictate your team. So. There could be other ele elements to it as well. And the fact that maybe they know what Ross can do. He's played so consistently all season. And maybe yeah. they want to see Harry exposed at the international level where Ross That's has point. loads of caps under his belt already. They know what he can do. They're like, let's give Harry a crack, see what he can do. And maybe they're all in the mix then for the World Cup next year. Yeah. There's so many ways you could yeah, look at it. That's a like, fair point, that's a fair point. Do you know what um, I mean? But like, I love to see... Um, Jimmy O'Brien in there who mm. made a mind he's had a great season yeah, he's had a season, great season man. Like I mean he's, it's, he's there on merit 100% he's really had a good season yeah. it's going to be tough to get into that that test squad for New Zealand with the, the back three that's there but yeah. he's give it a go he's another guy that's been rewarded for just being consistent like yeah I think our poor friend that's sick Robert Balakon obviously missed out which is a good one for, for Jimmy getting in there but oh yeah I think there's a clear kind of two teams in that selected squad 
There's a clear yeah. Maori midweek team. There's a clear like uh, first string team to go against New Zealand. And which I think there's no one really that missed out in that back line for me. Obviously, Robert, we just mentioned, but um, I would have liked to see Nathan Doak going down there. Yeah, yes. we, yeah. we said that, like, but, do you know, I mean, maybe yeah, he probably could have left Murray at home, couldn't John brought Nathan Doak, maybe. Ah, <laughs> no, no, this is a, Oh, my God. Wow. Well, what is your thoughts on that? We're swiftly moving on to the forwards, moving on to the forwards. <laughs> Nothing too crazy there. Jeremy Lockman, there's a guy, um, some might agree with me, disagree with me. He was he was playing some serious rugby there a couple of seasons ago and then he got a bad injury. Mm. He struggled to find the form since he came back, but he's a damn good player. Yeah, and he is, we don't have an awful lot of props there at the moment. Like, and it's good to see him get out there and give it a go because at his best he's very he can be a very good prop. He just yeah. he just needs he's, he's, he's had an up and down season, like, but he is a decent player. Yeah, really and that'll is, probably like, go well, just maybe yeah. a bit of confidence five weeks together that's in it. the camp. That's it. Bring him along. Um, well, it's Joe McCarthy's in there the last one, and um, Ty Byrne is back in. Like, and Ty Byrne hasn't played in. Ty Byrne hasn't played since the Six Nations, I don't think. No. So that's good to see him there. He must be on the mend and nearly back if that's the Kieran case. Kieran Treadwell getting pulled back in again. Yeah, it's Kieran Treadwell being pulled back in. Um, what else I have... is there? Coombs is in there as well after only coming back recently. Obviously, we said Kieran Prendergast in there. Nick Timoney's in there. What do you think of his selection? And will he get some game time? Because obviously, he is one man who needs reward, and he's had Luke a Timoney? huge. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he's a good. Well, he's not gonna. He's not gonna break into that. Don't see him getting that. into that back row. No. But yeah, he should be rewarded for a really, really standout season for us. Yeah, like he, I was like, I mean, it's, it's a tough one. Like I suppose the last few weeks, Conan hasn't been playing his best rugby. Doris hasn't been great the last couple of weeks either. Fanny Fleer is still class, so there could be someone could break in to maybe that eight, that eight jersey. Like I think Van der Fleer's not 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 lost in losing his spot, but I think someone could break in and maybe take Conan's jersey if his if his form keeps slipping because you've got three or four back rows there banging on the door. You just don't know come New Zealand. Yeah. Actually, a question for you, for both Munster men, actually, because uh, Jerry Flannery was saying last night that Jack O'Donoghue was one name he felt was left out. Now, if I'm right, and I'm not a Munster fan, but I wore my Munster red piece today, Jack O'Donoghue was the Munster player of the year. Right? Yeah, he's been so, fantastic this year, but... Thoughts? Should he make that? It's tough. Like, I mean, I think once again, who do you drop? Oh, I think it's really tough, Jack O'Donoghue, not yeah. getting brought as well, because he obviously came, he was like, up and coming back row a couple of years ago got his cap and was like this guy's going to push on and play 100 caps for Ireland then he slipped off a bit of form but this season he's been incredible mm. like Keane Prendergast every week he's nearly getting man the match he's captain Munster so consistent he's a really intelligent bloke as well I, was, yeah. I know him years so he'd be able to run a line out for you covers the whole back row nearly I, it's just such he's a selection captain headache. Munster as well like, so he's yeah, got that leadership skills yeah sorry yeah. leadership skills it's such a selection headache obviously for this for Andy Farrell like. So, like another guy that I think missed out as well as Connor Oliver who's been so consistent and he you could obviously interchange him and Nick Timney I just think very mm. similar players maybe Nick Timney gets through um, a lot more I think he had 20 tackles or something in his last couple of games his tackles like, and his yeah. turnover rate was so maybe that's ridiculous. why Nick just got in, in, in a Connor like, but I think he's another guy that could have been brought down yeah. but we're mentioning all these guys like going down there just f- how long are they down there? for five weeks five weeks yeah I'd say more guys are going to get flown down like well, yeah. hopefully. Um, yeah. I think it's a good headache for us to have. And I think the yeah. same thing. That was one point actually Jerry made as well was that Jack Dunne, who is a, is a big line out option as regards a caller. Um, like Pete O'Manny really is the standout now at the minute for the line out. And like we've seen that with Stormers and Bulls. Like I thought um, Bulls were like fabulous in their line out, you know, in their set piece. And it's so key. Mm. Um, so internationally set piece is going to be so key if we're going to, you know, go down, you know, to New Zealand and make whether it's mm. a Maori game or against the All Blacks themselves, like your set piece is key. So yeah. especially line out like Leinster faltered in the semi final for their line out, I thought, in their set piece overall. So um for me as the the very proud forward, I think <laughs> um 
yeah, it's a good headache to have, but it'll it's, be interesting. It's going to be a good tour, lads. I mean, I don't know if it's just me, like, but I, this is the most excited I've been for an Irish tour in a long time. Because I think it's because, like, for two reasons, the fact that we haven't had a summer tour in a while because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And second of all, then, going back to that traditional format. Like, you know, I keep saying it, go back to that traditional format of the two midweek games and the three. It feels like we're... It's like, it's like an extra up, bonus yeah. Lions tour that we're having them. And it's the All Blacks as well. And mm. Ireland are playing well, good squad. It's, it's going to be class. It's going to be a little, like a little, it's still like a little mini Lions tour for us to watch in the summer. Like. Do you yeah. think they can go down and win the series? I think, I, I don't see why not, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I maintain they will win at least one test and probably lose a test. And then it'll come down to, just they, they can, they, they're deaf. Normally you'd go down with the, with the mindset, like going back over the years, like, and you'd be like, Phew. Not a hope. Yeah. But yeah, you can see true. them winning it. They probably won't win the series, but they could. Well, I'd like <laughs> that nice conundrum where we probably, if we're going to lose it, we definitely win a game and we've had good performances. And yeah, but you're right. Like we go down there and like, you know, we're optimistic going, oh, if we're winning a score or it's yeah. not double figures that we've lost by. But I would that, like to see yeah. it, but I don't want us to then lose to one of ourselves. But we're going to win the World Cup yeah, next yeah, year. Yeah. We like, won't get that's... pumped down there. Like when there was times we used to go to New Zealand not that long ago. Going back four, five, six years ago, like, and you go down and you'd lose 60 nil. I know? still remember that. I was sure I was a young fella coming up as a teenager just breaking into the Munster Academy. I'll never forget Ireland losing 60 nil yeah. against New Zealand. That's not that long ago, like. Oh my God, man. It's embarrassing. Like, I always couldn't believe it. And then, as you're saying there, both the, the fact that we're now being like, we could go down there and win, like, it's such a positive place <laughs> know, to be yeah. that we've gone that far in a couple of seasons. Like, we're not afraid of the All Blacks anymore. We're not afraid of. The- <laughs> no, and do you know what else? Well, we're going to offer you because your little bromance is just interrupted for the next couple of weeks. Me and Jason will be your company and we can support Mac together. Is that all right? Yeah, it suits me. It suits me. Right, so moving on from Irish because I know we could sit down and talk about the Irish team and the New Zealand tour for the next another hour, I'd say. Yep. Yeah. But uh, moving on, Premiership Rugby Final. You were at it over the weekend. I was. Uh, cracking game. Thankfully, less than <laughs> one and great little story there with Freddie Burns getting the last minute drop goal who in his first Premiership Final, a guy who's has been a servant to the Premiership over the last how many years decade and a bit yeah. like but uh, what was it like over in Twickers yeah it was uh, nearly sold out I'd say like 95% it was, it was unbelievable which is great because Saracens were in the final and Saracens have um, a no poor fans. following they just don't have a <laughs> massive following which is for some reason I find it really weird because they've been so dominant for the last couple of years but they don't have great travelling fans the place was full of Leicester fans screaming their heads off I actually thought the game was pretty boring up until it started pretty quick, but obviously nerves and whatever's going on. And then the middle of the game was just like so much kicking, there wasn't much happening, very tactile. And then Freddie Burns comes on and and gets his uh, moment in the sun and he just kicks it over, which is unbelievable. But I was watching it and I was like, when's he going to step up? Like he has to go for a drop goal here. He kept going back and forth. I was behind the post where he's kicking to. And I was like, he has to step up. Like this is his moment. Like, do you know what I mean? And there was a perfect opportunity where he's directly in front of the post and he went for one more phase. I was like, no, he bottled it. He's not going to go for it. And then he went for it from the side and he he actually dead ducked it kind of, but he still got it over the post. And just what a moment for him, man. As you said, he's been a stalwart in, in, Premiership rugby for how long now and uh, he got his moment and he'll be talking about that until the day he died over a point I'd say well, right. nice little clip of him wasn't it on, on Twitter with his sunglasses and I think he was playing Queen in the background he had the Premiership trophy to the right oh he's eating, yeah. he's eating, he's eating the McDonald's, eating McDonald's. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah. championship oh, right it's absolutely brilliant and and so you're he's, saying he's there, a nice guy look yeah, yeah and as you were saying there Jason like I think it's great nothing against Saracens now but I think it's great that Saracens didn't win the Premiership this year because obviously the whole wage cap thing they got knocked down to the Championship dominated down there, came back up. And if they won the Premiership straight away, it would have been like, they would have been so like, I don't know, like 
oh yeah. look at us we're obviously the best like you know don't knock us down again yeah. um, so good for Leicester to win it I think are a really good culture club mm. they've fought back in the last couple of years to get to where they are now because they a couple of seasons ago man they were really bad like they, oh, just, they, they were, were all over the place they were place. Shocking, yeah. shocking, shocking big like, time yeah, yeah, yeah. they were in big they're, trouble they're back to who they are now and I'm just really happy for Leicester as a whole whole team like because I think they have a really good culture similar enough to us in Munster like you know yeah. really good rugby town like so delighted yeah. for those guys it's good to see it like I mean and you can come back from anything like so Munster maybe maybe Munster might come back win something yeah listen there's only there's only room for one miracle per season so moving on looking at the games outside what we touched on earlier on was those two yellow cards there was one um, against Saracens the Saracens nine in the first half first 20 minutes yeah it's a pretty bad shoulder to the jaw shot straight away Wayne Barnes is looking for mitigation the mitigation he said was that it was the ball carrier that came at the four spat it and blah I'm sorry, no, like, excuse my French, I don't give a shit. It should have been a red card. Mm-hmm. The same thing with the one in the, the, the second half. I mean, we, we, we can't tiptoe around this and try to look for mitigation. I understand there's mitigation if it starts and goes up. They were two direct shots to the chin. Mm. There is no mitigation when it's a direct shot to the chin. Yeah. And how are we supposed to, like, if, 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 if they're making different decisions every week and one week it's yellow and one week it's red and one week it's nothing, then what, like as we said, we're trying to stamp out concussion. We'll get onto that as well later on with the new concussion law. But we're trying to stamp all this out. We're trying to fix rugby. We're trying to make it better. But like we can't seem to make up our bloody minds. Yeah, I think there's obviously um, what's the word? Not a ruling, but the refs are told to be going out. I think to look for mitigation now or like get mitigate mitigation involved because it seems to be all season. They're going all right. This is an incident. Let's look for mitigation. Where as you're saying there, Jason, I think. Anything above the neck just needs to be ruled out. Because what, what's it going to take? It's going to take some boy, some boy getting like knocked out or some woman getting knocked out fully. So yep. go, okay, maybe we need to just completely just red card this all the time. Because it's going to be getting dangerous. These ads are getting bigger. Women are getting bigger and stronger. Like someone's going to get decapitated like at some stage. Like we need to be careful takes, with this. Like, so firstly and foremost, top of that is obviously player welfare. But the second bit of it, it's a bit like VAR in the soccer. Like it really just interrupts the game because everyone's like because it's your perception or your interpretation of, of how that went for you so you're looking at the TMO then the referee and then at least if there's a consistent just baseline ruling that it's black or white it's going to like protect everyone and then you're not having this interruption in the game it's just like right mm. it was above the neck it's a, it's a red that's the end yeah. of the rule there's no mitigating factors or whatever because I just think <coughs> you know there's just too much time around the rule and it makes it too difficult then like and I can see like if you've all you've to look for all these angles I'd be the same myself like oh you know what's yeah. what's the message I'm here? Am I trying to level the game because it's a final? Yeah. Like it's too difficult yeah. every week. He just he looked like Wayne Barnes. Like I, I would expect it more from a guy who like I think it was he referee in his tenth Premiership final or something like that. So I think that was the stat in the weekend. But it's I tough mean, for the rest. It's the biggest. Yeah. It's it's uh, not just with that, but it's the big. It's one of the biggest issues that rugby has and stops it from becoming a truly global sport. Is there's too many decisions and too many laws that are open to interpretation. Yes, and, and it makes it too just difficult. destroys the game. Yeah. And uh, we have a bit of kudos to our rugby like on that that the fact that they have finally changed their uh, their the the, the stand down period for concussion has gone now from it, it was it was seven days give or take seven days six now they've added it five days so it has 12 days now minimum which I think is only like only a step forward like and it's something that should have been there a long time ago oh yeah because the, the like you know a player gone through you know yourself like the symptoms for concussion especially for women now with studies like it's it's the onset it's different for person to person because it's your makeup it's your DNA it's like happens so the onset is I don't know how you could do seven days and it would have happened for us internationally the rulings for interna- when we're in international but then when we're in club 
um, when you're back to kind of like being an amateur player as such, like it's totally different. And even we do the gain line, you know, so you're understanding a cushion at international and I'm open for questioning this, but I don't remember doing it ever at club. And to me at club, you'd need it even more so because there's so such indifference with the skill level and skill set. So mm. I just think across the board, education and the the longevity of giving players that chance to actually make sure they're symptom free and they're, they're, they're not affected from it because it's, it's pretty life-threatening if it's if mm. it's a bad. I've done loads of studies in this and I did a thesis and I did a documentary on concussion and like it's always been longer at club level. Like it was whatever it was, like it's 14 days yeah. at, 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 as you're saying at unprofessional level. And I was like, well, why is it six days? Why is it seven days? We all have the same brain. And they keep, like, yeah, they're like, yeah. no, no, we've got better uh, medical doctors. We've got better this. Like, so I'm sorry, like, I don't care who you have. As you said, your brain is your brain. If yeah. you are concussed, I don't care if you've got some magic doctor or some magic sponge, just because you're a professional team at the elite level does not mean that this person's brain or, or skull or whatever it is is going to recover quicker. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they're like, oh, let's make 12 days, which is what it should have been all along. And it's just... It's, there's, exactly. it's there's more to come out it's like a big issue in the NFL as well and yeah I think, huge exactly and, and medicine is just progressing and then they go okay let's we better change these laws which are probably archaic like so to kind of be a bit empathetic with the with medicine it's like they're trying to figure it out as well like mm. but I do think what you're saying there Jason is mad like just because we've been professional players myself and, and Lindsay doesn't mean our brains are now no, stronger of course not you think it can you cost the same as anyone else your brain's getting hit like it's yeah. just like your brain's rattling your skull that's yeah. it you're knocked well, out if any, if, if, but like if, if anything at that level you're taking bigger hits yeah. like I remember even like speaking to that neurologist and what he was saying that some of the hits that take part that, that occur in professional rugby are akin to a car crash yeah, yeah, Brian O'Driscoll said that actually. Yeah, <laughs> you know, with his and you're like, this is just two men and women on the pitch. Man. Yeah, them running into each other, bro. Oh my god! And they were all two man, minimum two man tackle. Yeah, it's, like it's it crazy. Ridiculous. It's nuts, but it's good to see it's going to twelve days now. I also thought it was mad. Like, obviously, I got loads of concussions. You got loads of concussions as well. Being I've able actually to play, had none. Have you not? No, she's I've had loads. Being able to play within six days, even yourself, you're like, this is a bit mad. Is six yeah. days is nothing. As yeah. You would not be, if you got concussed, you would not probably be allowed back into an office job <laughs> after six days. Never mind a contact sport as brutal as rugby, yeah. one of the most physical sports in the world. Yeah. I mean, you break. I actually did a health and safety cert during the week for using a computer and work. And it was like, oh, if you're having symptoms, you, you have to go to your OT, your occupational health department. So, I mean, that's just sitting in front of the computer if you're having a bit of a migraine. So imagine with concussion. Yeah. Were you ever bad with it? Yeah, I've never had any long-term effects from it, like, but I've had a lot of plenty of concussions. Like, and I'll hold my hand up, touch like, touch my, I'll hold my mm -hmm. hand up as loads of my mates as well that I played with. You get fully like dusted in a game. Like you wake up, you're seeing stars, you're seeing black. But because you're like, no, I have to stay in the game. Like I have to play this game. And you're fully like, for a while, for a few minutes, you won't know where you are in the game. And it's just that even like that needs to be beat out of players like that. Mm. Might need to be more thinking long term, my family, my friends, my long term life. Um, but that's definitely an issue with rugby players as well. Is like, no, I'm tough. I can just shake this off. Fellas be running around like not knowing where they are. I don't know if it's the same in the women's sport. Claire Malloy, I'm glad you brought that up. Claire Malloy is a doctor, like an yeah. like an A&E an doctor, right? One of the most world-class sevens in the women's game. And I don't know many times, I had one referee, I had to say, ref, will you stop the game? Seven got knocked out. And um, we were playing a grand slam against England. She was absolutely KO'd. And next of all, I see her run down the wing. And like she was taken off, thankfully. And, and she went, you see, she's not in her right mind, obviously. She's no. supposed to knock out. Um, and obviously then she's medically trained. So the irony of that whole situation, but like... Yeah, it's just the nature of how she played and obviously then other people. And then I feel obviously, and she's the medical and there is medical people, but you're more susceptible then to concussion then if you've 
obviously had a long term. Yeah, 100%. You know? Yeah. So with the counteract that kind of competitive edge of rugby players on the pitch not wanting to come off, is there are fourth officials in the stands mm -hmm. that watch the games and they go, for instance, you're Malloy there just got knocked out, guys, stop the game, get her yeah. off the pitch, like, which is needed, like, because yeah. fellas aren't going to come off willingly. No, and that's yeah. when it's like you're a pro, it's your job. So it's inbuilt and you don't want to let anyone The decision down. has to be taken out of the player's hands. Like it can't even be anything. Yeah. But the issue you have then as well, with, which is why they're looking to adapt these um, these mouth guards that actually detect the, the collision impact. and the impact of the collision, is the fact that when we're looking at this these studies and we're looking at this data and we're looking at these games, we're looking at, say, we see a big massive hit and this guy gets knocked into the chain, you go, okay, you're going off for HIA. But what that match doesn't pick up and what that doctor isn't picking up is those 10 or 12 hits that person might have picked up. And it might only be medium hits, yeah. but every time there's there's a, a there's a, a kind of a shock into the system, your, your brain slides, it gets it gets leaky, blood comes down. That's the problem because how many of those can you take in a game? Absolutely. What's before your it, it, that one big hit that makes it a lot worse. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. Like it's 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 very complicated when you get into it, and it's very interesting. But that is the issue that we have. Like as in, how many of these hits can you take? And there's guys maybe they haven't had too many concussions or too many knocks uh, overall, but they're getting constant hits in matches yeah. because there is there is still these high hits going in. Like so, if you just eliminate these and like the problems we have around the breakdown, the problems you have with high tackles, if you just eliminate that and just go. This is a no-fly zone. Yeah, exactly. Stay away oh, yeah. from it. Like we're yeah. not. This is not MMA. This is rugby. Yeah. Yeah. This is you. Just everything from here, as you said, from the neck up, it has to be. Do you know? Otherwise, like yeah. you don't want to get on the road of wearing helmets. Like, and yeah. I, I'm one of those people. I don't agree with helmets. I, don't, I think helmets actually, no if way. anything, make it worse yeah, yeah. because you're more inclined to use your head as a weapon when you That's have. That's what helmets. they figured out in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. lads are using their heads as like to tackle it because I have your helmet on I'm grand like. yeah. but you, you remember that like concussion movie with Will Smith in it yeah. where there's a, there's a really um, vivid scene where he has a ball inside a, a glass yeah. it's basically it's your brain inside a glass bottle and he's just go, he shakes it and the ball rattles off the end of the glass and he's like no matter what you put on the outside of this glass this ball is still rattling against the side that's your brain inside your skull yeah. and I'll never forget it I was like oh my god my poor little head yeah it's mad well, I heard a great analogy and it was off that same doctor so like you've seen a lot of people wearing the, the, the N-Pro scrum caps now yes. like and they're offering they're saying improve this improve that like and you see Kaylin Doris is wearing one now because of concussion problems a lot of the studies on that like can't be backed up and aren't by backed up by a lot of medical professionals but the way he put it to me was he goes take a tin of tomatoes right Right, now throw a tin of tomatoes off the wall. Now take another tin of tomatoes and wrap cotton wool around it. Throw it off the wall. Are the tomatoes going to be any less damaged in the first can? No. Of course exactly. The tomatoes are still going to be destroyed. Yeah. Do you know? So no matter what you put around your head, no matter how much you protect it, like it's not going to help because it, it's the impact. Your brain is still going to get damaged inside your head. Exactly. It's, it's still all mushy and soft in there, unfortunately. 100%. <laughs> exactly. So it kind of just comes back to, to making the tackle laws more strict and it's just red card straight away but obviously the counter argument to that we alluded to earlier is people are going to be like oh but you're just going to ruin the game it's going to be 40 against 15 those, those idiots but, but I think a good way to counteract it is just an idea is to the guy that's committed the foul he right. gets sent off a red card and then the team loses a player for 10 minutes and then you can bring on a, another player that wasn't the guy that offended the guy that's offended is sent off forever goes to like yeah, it gets sent off, he goes to siding and a new guy can come on and put the game back to 15-15 after 10 minutes, which they, the team has now gotten their punishment and the guy that offended has to go so, get sided and he can't come back onto the pitch. I think that's a good way to kind of 
balance it out. Mm. The worry you have there is you could have people like like it's like playing a bloody game of FIFA or something. You do press the R one, the ex the red card side tackle ball, yeah. stop a goal. He's like, well, should we bring a player back on ten minutes? This fellow's about to score. Yeah, like, close line them over <laughs> over the sideline. They'd be like sending a sacrificial <laughs> lamb. Like that's what I want. Well, like you see, fellas like being sacrificial lambs, especially forwards, like will take yellow card sometimes at uh, on, on their tie line, like to prevent a try kind of goal. Yeah. It's worth taking yeah. the yellow card here to 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 not absolutely to prevent the score. And people do do that, like so. That's that's the thing you you can't win. Like, but what you really have to do more than anything, as you said in the beginning, was just to teach these guys education just, the ground up. Like, yeah, yeah, educate the kids and bring it in like the whole way up. And just like the players that are there at the moment, just like they have to understand. Let's say if you go high, you're off. Yeah, and stop doing it. You're well out. <laughs> How many? Like, what do we do every week on this show? We have our uh, jukebox of the week. We have our choice, and we're constantly looking at the tackles. I mean, yeah. you, you, you see some of the best tackles we've seen. Like, are all tackles that are. Textbook tackles. Textbook below the They're the best tackles. ones, you know, yeah. and like there's nothing stopping you. Like, I mean, I do understand the last minute kind of slide up and all that kind of stuff. Like, but obviously then like you're, you're coming into the tackle too high in the first place. Mm. Because if you're coming into a tackle upright and you're saying, oh, he, he dipped it the last minute. Well, if he dipped it the last minute, you still wouldn't have got his head if you came in low enough in the beginning because yeah. there is no excuse there. Like, it's just an excuse is all it is. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I think no tolerance policy across and then starts grassroots education. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Um, we'll finish up with some big news. Um, oh, Lindsay, you want to talk about this? Uh, the Irish women are heading off to Japan this they summer. Are. It's a great summer tour. It's the first time we've we've ever done it as a nation. Um, in my time anyway that I know of. So the, the lads will go over for a game on the 20th of August on the 27th and they're going to play in um, Tokyo. It's definitely one of the games on the 27th. And Fukutoa, is that, am I right with that? The first one. So that's a big, big win for us. But obviously... Um, I'm hoping we'll have some more games kind of from August to April because obviously mm. the Women's World Cup is on and we're not in it. Of course. <laughs> but, uh, start, I mean, it? yeah, listen, that is, the fact that, like we said, like the lads will have five weeks down in New Zealand for Greg Williams and his coaching staff and the players themselves to have, like, I think they're going to have a camp here before they actually travel the two weeks to Japan. So that's three weeks together to blood new players, to build your culture, to build that camaraderie and, and look, no amount of time in camp, you know, week on, week off can do that. So I think it's going to be hopefully the making of a, a big, you know, big foundations for, for this journey for this team. Yeah, I definitely it. think World Rugby and, and need to make games for Irish teams, or not just the Irish team, that girls that aren't in the World Cup for that August yeah. to April period because... If there wasn't going to be this Japan tour, girls were going to go from playing the Six Nations to the following Six Nations without playing international rugby again. Am I right saying that? 100%, yeah. And That's then just... next year we have that, like, so our seeding will come into play for the global calendar, which will be in 2023 post that yeah. Six Nations. It's so way too years. long without playing international rugby. How are you supposed to progress after all the talk we've done in this podcast about progressing international women's rugby and not having them play for like a yeah. year at yeah. international level? Sure. How is that going to work? Like? It's not. Yeah. And that's why I think, you know, the, the two games are unbelievable. Absolutely. Yeah. So credit, credit, the credit for doing this. Yeah. Like credit, exactly, credit yeah. where it's due. But like... More it, games is now needed. You though. are absolutely right. If World Rugby wanted to grow the game like they would have done, and they have done it with the kind of third tier, like the likes of Georgia and, and some of the like Southern Hemisphere Island teams, like so to just grow be, the game globally, you need to get those nations investment. They need mm. to get games. They need to be playing, you know, internationally regularly. And that's no more for... For Ireland, yeah. especially so it would just be show. a money issue stopping them creating like a second level uh, series while the World Cup's going on. Like, yeah, I think I think it's definitely feasible. Obviously, it always comes back to the conundrum for us that the girls are amateur, you know, mm. and you know they have jobs. But again, I think with planning and you know early, if the players can get it early, I think you know employers have been so good. I know mm. my own employer, the the health service have been so good. So I think 
Ireland as a nation, we're, you know, we're sport lovers. So we would never yeah. stand in the way of, of athletes progressing. You know, we've seen that even in grassroots and GA. So yeah. like I a think women's, a women's autumn internationals, I think, just makes a lot so of could sense. Could we look at double headers there? Like we've yeah. seen a lot of success in that recent in England. We've seen with the Barbarians, seen the England doing it, where they put on double headers where you go, you rock on at two o'clock and you get the women to play and then the men play and you're getting a full day out of it. And just makes sense. Sure, we got to play in uh, Twickenham when the poor men got struck down the last time. Yeah, you know, so and like, we had 1.15 million matches. So there you go. Like, key. if we do that, like, because Ireland are going to have a couple of games. I remember as well like let's bring it all together and let's make a double header like and it's, it's great excuse for fans because like you get to go out for like five or six hours and get pissed instead yeah. go out for one and it's like it's like a baseball game or something you're out for the full day like and you've got two really high quality matches to watch but see this right I'm glad you brought stuff one like so the conundrum for the women's game is we want to grow it but the other side is it has to be a product so to try and do both is is a conundrum that you know one has to lose out on the other. Do you know, we have yeah. to grow the game first before we can make a product. However, if we can start, I've never played in the Aviva. Yeah. Funny story, my son, as we were going over, so I'm originally north side, we drive back from Nana's and we go and we see what he calls the railway stadium, which is the Aviva. And he said, Mama, what's, what, what sports they play there? And I said, rugby, baby. And he goes, and what rugby? And I said, Irish rugby. And he said, but I've seen you play for Ireland. I said, you have? And he said, but I've never seen you play there. Oh. And it's I said, um, look, yeah. yeah, no, I've never played there. Only the men are now playing there. And he said, who made, that's not fair, who made that decision? <laughs> I, I wanted to fume them, you know? And I was like, I know. And it, like to him, he's a six-year-old. And even this morning, um, I don't know what we came up about. Um, I don't know, a, a gender pay gap. Now, I don't even know why he asked me that question. And I said, oh, He brought that up, that topic of your conversation. Something came up about, oh, I said, Kids a gender pay. Kids are these days. I'm yeah. telling you, like, compared to us when we were younger, like. Oh he just said, what's that mean? I said, well, you're a boy and you get paid more money. And like, this is not, don't get me wrong. I'm just literally telling you a story of a six-year-old. And he was like, well, that's not fair. <laughs> it's like, listen, if it was only so simple, yeah, but yeah. look, my goal, I said this, I think it was an interview um, in 2019 for the Union Cup and we did the launch with Nigel Owens um, oh, I remember in that, the Aviva. Yeah. It, was, yeah, yeah. it was just fantastic. And I remember my one point was, if there was anything I could have wished for my career, it was just to play once in the Aviva in an orange jersey. Yeah. And yeah. that's the goal I think we'd love to see for the girls. I'd love to see a double header. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, like, there's no har- as you said, like you're trying to build a product, right? Okay. A lot of the time, like, until you watch the game, like a lot of people are stubborn, like I'm not watching them again, mm. I'm no interest in it. Then when they watch it, like, this is pretty good. But they're not inclined to watch it in the first place. So if you're kind of like, well, we're here now, we might as well watch it. And then yeah. all of a sudden you'll get new fans. I mean, there's a lot of things I've done in my life, a lot of things we've all done in our lives. Where, like, yeah. I don't think I'd like that. Or I don't think I would, I'd eat that. Like, and you're like, oh, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. And you're like, Jesus, I'm glad I tried that. So like, you're like, there's, they're going to be in the stadium. It's like, lads, show up there a couple hours early. You might not get everyone to show up for it, but you still might get, if there's 50,000 going watching Ireland, maybe 25 of them show up most women. And then all of a sudden, like, you might get another 5,000 fans out of that. And it might take a couple of years, but they'll piggyback off them. And then the men's team can help them grow their product. And then they go, right, so let's know you can go do your own matches and you can get 20,000 in your own, which is what they've done in England. Oh, and they're getting 15, 20,000 at their games. Yeah, remember the England-Ireland game in, in over in England this year in the Six Nations? It was yeah. nearly sold out stadium, was it? That was in Leicester Tigers. I was at that game. Yeah. And Incredible. I swear to God, Greg, it was cracking because Leicester itself is obviously a big rugby hub and actually what was funny was I seen like fans that didn't actually necessarily have England jerseys they had Leicester Tiger jerseys on and they came along for the day like, match on here let's go to brilliant. Yeah. yeah the girls were signing jer- now I, like you know I'm obviously friends with a lot of them I'm like like smacking these kids out of the way going let me have my friends but they the kids were like and not even kids adults so it was like layers of cues back for them brilliant. they stayed for about an hour I'd say ask for That's autographs class. Um, just the culture it was just it was just brilliant so it's so. building momentum now on top of all that buzz like, which is great to see these Japanese games happening hope more international games come for the women in that gap but I heard rumours Lindsay 
that I don't know you can Rumors. confirm these but women's that they're potentially might be coming becoming contracts for 15s women did you hear any of that I heard I've heard it's yeah I'm hoping by autumn the only thing I want is so Scotland congratulations to Scotland they've yeah. just contracted 30 players and I think they're bringing 35 to World Cup so that's key for them in their first World Cup since 2010 that they can go down and actually do a bit of damage of um, but what I don't want for us is to be under pressure to give contracts when we have to look at the feasibility of it like yes. how many of our girls can actually give up really good jobs you know are they going to offer part time are they going to retain their contracts for those who actually have built up a career and it wouldn't be feasible for them to actually take a full time contract and, and interrupt that yeah cycle. like the sevens contracts like you were getting like I mean if you're on a good job on 40, 50 grand yeah. a year you're going to drop out and get half that money like well you could pay for Ireland yeah but I still like I can't afford to lose half my wages yeah like you did your logs up. do you know what I mean like mm. where like where is the conundrum like you've worked all this hard to, to be a solicitor and, yeah. and, and now and, and that's not to you know, undermine the value of the contracts and how we're progressing. But I just want us to do it right. Like, yeah. I think Wales have given a lot of contracts to players who weren't even in their Six Nations squad. Like, that's, that's a waste we don't of want money. That, no, but that's not what we want to see. Yeah, because, as you say, yeah, that's, that's yeah. just stupid. No, so we want to invest when it's right. And then we want to grow the game so that when you invest this money, you can start to generate money. Because if we invest money and we don't have those players coming up, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a businesswoman, but mm. I mean, it, you have to build that product. And when you invest the money, you want that money to grow. And I don't think unless we look at the contracts right or make sure it's going to suit us, whatever they may be, even small level and build up, they just have to be done right. But I think they are going to be down. I think we've no choice to keep up with the way, the rate of the growth again. Well, look, if England, France, Wales and now Scotland have all contracted their teams. We're, and if, Italy. And Italy. If Ireland and want Italy. to compete. Italy done it as well. Oh, we're the only... Ah, lads. Yeah, so that's why I think nation. I have heard that the hour if you were talking about contracting the women, like which needs to be done. But obviously you said there's there's certain ways they need to do it. One, do they, there's, there's something about means testing what girls need if they're coming from like Kerry or they're coming from yeah from South Dublin. But then my Ireland said like, <laughs> you're not means testing the men. Like just because no. it's like Furlan's coming from wherever and Johnny Sexton's <laughs> coming from down the road. If they're good enough, pay them. Like, yeah. my, but my other thing is like, should, would they not do something like just do 15 centralized contracts, one in each position? So I think that we'll needs to kind of happen. Yeah. And then obviously we have our sevens. How are we going to work, work that after World Cup? When, like obviously the girls hopefully will make the World Cup in South Africa in September. Yeah. Like, and then like a lot of them players are obviously have been in our 15s yeah. program. I'd so how do we balance both? Yeah. But if you're on a sevens contract, contract just, just keep the like, Yeah, just keep the girls on the sevens contract. Yeah. It gives yeah. you another free spot to contract another girl in 15. Correct. 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 And obviously the men's sevens then, there's chat about that as well. The boys may be getting a bit more because in, in line with the 15s. So this is all rumours now. I don't yeah. even know any of it's true but it's great to finally see the IRFU starting to back maybe back the women's and the sevens and get them up to the level to compete with the rest of the world like, well you know it? yourself like you can only facilitate an athlete if you give them the means to develop within that realm so if if we've girls who are so good they're world class but they're really world class yeah. based on a very very minimal you know investment and sure. in time to be that athlete so that's the other conundrum we'll have like you're saying about centralised I think it's perfect but like say for example stand out and players for the year with Sam Monaghan Sam's based in Brighton Climate mm. Wasps yeah. how, do we, how are we going to get her home Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean yeah. uh, Adele McMahon uh, Kleena Maloney um, Neve Jones is over there Catherine Buggy's another prop uh, mm. Leah Lyons is over there Lauren Delaney so we have yes. a load of players that are in England um, and I think personally right now their league is developed enough but then our league is losing now because our best players aren't there so yeah. there's so much I think, I think it's that. another topic that we could spend hours talking about again but yeah, sorry, I got animated. We rest. <laughs> we monster. Yeah. We monster. I'm getting given out here. We're out of time. We are out of oh. time. 
Can't Jeez. believe like it's actually. I gotta give Chad so many more points. We had a great crack there. I mean, like I was, it was disappointing to lose out in Rob. Like, but we, that was a good chat. Now I think we got through it well. Yeah, we did. It was a great chat. I enjoyed it. It's, I was saying there, it's so many more points to bring up. So I'll have to save until next week. Uh, come here. We have another but show. We've got what? our wrap up show next yeah. week, guys. So it's going to be do. a big one. Tune wrap in. Wrap up bonanza. <laughs> of course, yeah. No, thanks very much, guys. It was a great chat. And of course, a massive thank you to Bank of Ireland, our partners and proud supporters of the four Irish provinces. We'll catch you next week, guys, for our very last show of the season. And talk to you then. Joe presents House of Rugby, United Rugby Championship, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Yeah.